Well, good morning, family. It's great to see everyone here this morning. It's like coming home, coming back to Mount Olive. And some of you might say, coming home? What do you mean coming home? Where'd you go? You disappeared. You didn't say anything. We had our neighbors sitting right up here in the first service this morning, and we hadn't really talked about the move we just made. And uh, we live in Didsbury now, um, and we moved intentionally for the purposes of being more intentional with our, our grandkids there, and uh, which unexpectedly, they just moved there yesterday. So now we're, we're, we're not living in the same house, but we're only five minutes apart. So yeah, so we didn't really get to say goodbye to you very well. Uh, we went to the camp out and enjoyed some conversations around the fires. And uh, we do really appreciate Mount Olive. We've been involved in Mount Olive since 1989. I know some of you maybe not have been born back then, but uh, I know Dave Smithers was, so we're, 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 we're good. So, yeah, we appreciate you as a church. You've been an incredible encouragement to us. And uh, so um, today I'm going to be continuing on in First in Peter. But before I do, Alvin just said, take a few minutes and talk about what you're doing with the free church now. So I've set up a table in the back there, and I've got some of these uh, rack cards there. Feel free to uh, take them. And uh, one on... Uh, our uh, motto in non-essentials charity and all things Jesus, sorry, in essentials unity, non-essentials charity and all things Jesus Christ. There's one on what does it mean to be uh, evangelical free? I love the way Bill Taylor, our president, our executive director introduces this one. You know, you got gluten-free food, you got dairy-free ice cream, uh, you got taste-free food, and you can find out what evangelical free, does it mean we, we're not evangelical? Take one and read it. You'll find out what evangelical free means. So the evangelical free church is an association of churches that work together to see the gospel go out in our country of Canada. And, uh, and I'm excited to be part of our evangelical free church of Canada. I love our ethos as a, as a church. And you may or may not know, but there's two arms other than the local churches. We have what we call Serve Canada, and then we have what we call Serve Beyond. So Serve Canada is the mission arm of the Free Church of Canada that does church planting within the geographical boundaries of Canada. So it's exciting what's going on in some parts of Canada right now, especially in Toronto, as we have many newcomers coming into our country are open to the gospel when they get here. And we have some uh, church planters there, some missionaries working amongst those people. Exciting to see what God is doing there. Uh, we're replanting a church back in Saskatchewan. I know Saskatchewan's probably shrinking, but we still think that it still needs churches. And uh, so, and then there's Serve Beyond. And this is what Maureen and I are part of now as far as uh, member care goes. We've taken on the role of member care with free church missionaries. And uh, so pastor to missionaries, pastors to missionaries is our role within uh, the free church. And I'm, I'm excited. I just started in March, so I really don't know what I'm doing yet, uh, but I'm learning the role as I go. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I know Yace and Andy are home from the Philippines right now. And uh, so, th yeah, we have quite a few missionaries all around the world. We want to keep building our team. We've got a lot of gray heads in our mission um, uh, contingencies, so we really need to be proactive in just sending forth the vision for reaching our world for Jesus Christ. And so we want to see more missionaries sent out uh, with, uh, with Serbian. 
It's your mission arm as a, as, as a free church. It belongs to you. You support it, and we get to be involved in it, with it. Uh, Carl and Emmy McLeod are here. They're part of it as well as far as the, the management team goes. Uh, we're excited about what God has for us for the future. And uh, there's going to be bumps in the road. There always is. But we want to see God glorified through uh, the free church. Oh, there we go. Serve Beyond. Just a few things about Serve Beyond, um, and then I'll get into the message. Uh, so our vision is we, we're a mission-focused Christ followers reaching the least-reached people groups through disciple-making, missional church planning, mission community development, and mission mobilization. That's a mouthful, so we'll break it down. Disciple-making, reproduction of committed followers of Christ who also re- reproduce committed followers of Christ, multiplying disciples that make disciples. I didn't have this in the first service, so that's why I'm looking up there, but now I have this. You recognize that? That's what Alvin keeps telling us over and over again. That's what we're about as a church, is making disciples who will, in turn, make disciples. That's the goal of Serve Beyond as well. Secondly, missional church planting. We want to see those uh, disciples brought into a congregation, a local missional church, who in turn can reach more people for Jesus Christ, who in turn can keep the process going of more people coming to Christ and more churches planting. That's missional church planting. We want to be involved in community development, enabling and improving the capacity of a community to provide for its own needs with dignity and justice aim for self-improved reliance. Um, We want to help in the moment in different situations where help is needed. But community development is where we want to have as a long-term strategy for us as an organization. So relief is good. We've been doing a lot of it in in Ukraine and other parts of the world. Uh, But we want to, community development is where we really want to focus. And then we want to mobilize. We want to mobilize missionaries uh, from Latin America, from Europe, from Asia, from Africa. We want to see those churches sending out missionaries to see more people become devoted followers of Jesus. And that looks different. There's some that are directly in church planting. There's some that are in support roles. There's some that are in MK ministries. It's, it's a broad spectrum of involvement that you can have. And why do we do this? It's because of the picture that John gives us in Revelation 7 of people from every nation, tribe, and people, and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They're clothed with white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. That's the vision we have, is that we would see more worshipers from around the world worshiping God today and also in the days to come and in the final days when we're all uh, before the throne. So Maureen and I have the awesome privilege of being member care uh, people for the Serve Beyond uh, Um, mission, which is your mission. So uh, there's some of these cards at the back on the table. You can take some, and uh, we would appreciate if if you would pray for us. It's a huge role. It's a huge role to care for people on a very personal level, and that's what we want to do. We need your prayer as we go into this mission. As I said, we just started March 1st, and and we're learning what what this looks like. Um, 
As part of home office staff, we have to raise 50% of our salary as well. So we would invite you, if you want to be part of our team that way, come and talk to me about that. I would love to share how you can do that and be part of our financial um, team as well. Enough about Sir Beyond. First Peter. We're in this series in First Peter, and I love First Peter. Um, Alvin knows that. He asked me to actually to come and speak earlier about in one of the earlier chapters, but I was just busy. I couldn't make it. So he said, can you come in July? And I said, yeah, I can come in July. So here we are. First Peter. Just a little background to bring you up to speed. Peter's writing to a minority group of people who are suffering for their faith because of where they're living, because they're under Nero at that time. And so... They were suffering because of the gospel. And they're in the midst of this suffering. Peter offers hope. Hope to them uh, for the future. But he does more than that. He wants to offer them hope of how they can make a difference in their world by living differently than the world they're living in. My dad used to say as I was growing up, son, The circumstances of life will either make you better or bitter. Don't let them make you bitter. Let them make you better. And I think suffering does that for us as well. So as Peter writes to to this group of people who are suffering for their faith, um, we're going to see some of the natural tendencies we have when we experience suffering because that's what they experienced as well. And I just want to draw out three statements that you'll recognize because these were part of earlier messages, but just in summary to bring us up to where we are today. Alvin talked about from chapter 2, our difference is for the purpose of making a difference. We live different lives, not just because we want to stand out like a sore thumb. We want to live different lives so that we can make a difference in the world in which we live. We want our lives to reflect our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Secondly, let your life take the lead, not your mouth. You might remember Alvin said that when he was talking from 1 Peter 3. Let your life take the lead, not your mouth. When we live right, we gain the right to speak about the light. Folks, that's integrity. When your life, the way you live, and the way you talk, they line up, that's integrity. And when you have integrity, that gives you the right to speak about the light, about Jesus Christ. And then, Mike, I appreciated the way he spoke from 1 Peter chapter 4 a few weeks ago. Be ready. You know, in in 1 Peter 4, 1, it talks about arm yourselves also with the same attitude of Jesus. So we need to be ready. Be armed so that we will make the right choice when suffering comes. Folks, I don't think it's if. I think it's when we are going to start to experience it right here in Canada as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 12 to 19. I don't have them on the screen. I love it when people bring their Bibles and a pen and a pencil and highlight and mark up. That's what Bibles are for. They're to make marks in. So I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are experiencing as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. 
If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name or that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And the last verse, verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let's pray. Father, these are... These are words that you've given to us via Peter, the author of this book. And Lord, as we listen to Peter's um, admonition to us today, would you speak into our hearts and change us? Help us to be ready to follow after you wholeheartedly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot in those verses to talk about. And I won't be able to talk about some of the things that I don't understand. So I'm going to leave them out, and Alvin's going to fill you in on those when he gets back from his holidays. But I want to take four admonitions out of this section for us today, four instructions that I think uh, Peter gives those people who are suffering for their faith, and I think we can learn from them. Don't be surprised, but rejoice when suffering comes. Don't be ashamed, but praise God. When suffering comes, commit yourselves to your faithful creator and do good. We'll go through them one at a time. First of all, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you might be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Don't be surprised, Peter says. I think probably when suffering comes in your life and in my life, maybe one of the first questions we might ask is, why? Why is it happening to me? You know, I can see it for someone else, but me? Why? Why is this happening? Suffering, I think, causes us to ask that question. And, and he says, as though it were something strange happening to you. Why should we not be surprised or think it's strange if we suffer for the gospel? Jesus answers that question in Matthew, uh, sorry, in John 15, 18 to 21. Jesus answers this so clearly. It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But, have, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I've told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will treat you this way because of my name. Because of my name. Jesus says, you will suffer. If you're going to live for me and follow after me the way I live my life, you will suffer for the gospel. 
But it's, I, I find it very interesting when Peter um, talks about this, don't be surprised about what you're enduring. He doesn't say, it's all because of where you live and who's causing the suffering. No, he doesn't say that. He, he doesn't point to their circumstances. He points to their Savior. That you are able to participate, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be ever overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, we can, we can rejoice when we understand that our suffering is participating in Christ's suffering. We get to participate in exactly what our Master and Savior endured. And that's why Peter cautions the believers, and we, and we don't have time to go into it, but he says, make sure you're suffering for the right thing, not as a criminal or as a meddler. Make sure it is for the sake of the gospel. We have the privilege of participating in Christ's sufferings. Romans 8, Paul says this. I love this, verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his sufferings. I don't like that verse. It's a hard verse to read. But we want the good things that Jesus provides for us, but we don't want the suffering that comes with us. But Paul makes it very clear that if, if, if we want to be heirs of, uh, with Christ of God's glory, we're not only going to experience the glory, we're going to experience the suffering that comes with it as well. And so we follow in in Christ's example, as Peter has already talked about in chapter 2, verse 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So we rejoice, not in our circumstances, not in our suffering, but we can rejoice because we are following in our Savior's footsteps. Don't be surprised, but rejoice that we can live like Jesus Christ. I love this story in Acts chapter 5. I encourage you to go home and read it. I'd love to read the whole story to you now. It's got a humor in it. But the apostles were, were brought before the Sanhedrin. They were flogged. And as they left, it says, they, were, they left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer the disgrace for the name of Jesus Christ. That's pretty amazing. They knew and they rejoiced in the fact that they were able to suffer as Christ suffered. We need to be reminded that suffering re refines us. And that's what 1 Peter chapter 1 talks about. And I'm not going to go into this verse right now, but it's, it's as fire tests and purifies gold. Suffering has a good effect on us. It purifies us. But it's only for this temporal time while we're in this world and one day, we're going to be, as John says in 1 John 3, we are already God's children, but he's not shown us what we will be like uh, when, when, when Christ appears, but we know that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So our suffering is temporal. It's only for this period of time until we see Christ face to face. So don't be surprised, but rejoice in the fact that we get to participate in Christ's suffering. Secondly, don't be ashamed, 
but praise God. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, Christ's name. So I was thinking about this verse and just meditating on it this week. I was thinking, what's he getting at when he talked about don't be ashamed? And I think that could be another natural reaction we have when suffering comes on us. There's a feeling of shame sometimes that can go with it. And I was thinking about Peter's life. He's the one who's writing this book. What was the occasion in his life, do you think, when he felt the most shame? It was the night Jesus was betrayed. And Peter denied that he had any association with Jesus three times. And Matthew 26, 75 says, Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter knew what it was like to feel ashamed of his actions. Elvin introduced Peter at the very beginning of the series as being the guy that went from hero to zero so many times in his ministry. He knew what it was like to feel shame. And so I think as he's thinking about these Christians who are suffering, he wants to encourage them, don't be ashamed. But praise God that you are able to bear his name. You know, there was another pastor back in that day who also needed encouragement. Tim was his name, Pastor Tim. And Paul writes to Pastor Tim, and he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, sorry, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Do you ever feel ashamed? Well, you're in good company. Timothy felt that too. And so Paul is encouraging him, just as Peter is encouraging the people that he's writing to, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you're able to bear that name. And how do we bear that name? We bear that name because, as Peter has said earlier in chapter 2, verse 9, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So as a chosen people and a holy nation, we live differently than the world we live in. So that they would ask us, what's different about you? Hopefully we're living it in a good way, a winsome way that will attract them to Jesus Christ. As a royal priesthood, we have a responsibility to be sure that we share the message of who Jesus is in our world today. So again, it's the way we live, it's the things we say that we, that we can, that's how we declare the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Don't be ashamed, but praise God. Thirdly, commit yourself to your faithful creator. I love the song we sang this morning, I Surrender All. That's what it means to commit yourself unto your faithful creator. Again, 
I think the natural response when suffering comes into our lives is we tend to back away from God. I think, well, God, what's going on? Are you there? And that's how we tend to picture God in times of suffering. We think he's lost control. There's something going on here that's not right. And Peter encourages the believers of that day, commit yourself unto your faithful creator. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator. He's telling them, remember him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never fail you. It says in Hebrews 13, 5, he will never abandon you. Folks, are you convinced that your Savior and Lord is faithful? That he's your creator? I think that's what Peter's saying here is we need to commit ourselves to our faithful creator, but we need to know our faithful creator. We need to know that we can be convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that he's the one we put our faith and trust in. This is a paraphrase from the message of of that uh, verse. So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride, trust him. That's what it means to commit to him. He knows what he's doing. Pastor Tim needs more encouragement. Again, Paul writes him, and the very same thing is what we're learning from Peter. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and teacher. And that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet there's no cause for shame. Paul takes up the shame thing again, just like Peter does. Because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Is that how you know your God this morning? Is he that trustworthy that you can commit yourself wholeheartedly to him? I love that verse that John read this morning. I didn't, never even thought of that verse until he read it this morning in the introduction from Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then verse 24, I say to myself, folks, sometimes we have to preach to ourselves truth. We need to preach truth to ourselves. And this is one of the truths. The Lord is my portion. He's trustworthy. He's my faithful creator. Therefore, I will wait for him. Commit yourself unto a faithful Creator. I'd love to go through some of Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite psalms, but we can't this morning. But just one verse. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's our God. He cares about you right from the beginning to the end of your life. And he's there in every event, through every suffering that you might have in between. He is our faithful creator. And so Peter wants these people that he's writing to to commit themselves to their faithful creator. That means just give yourselves wholeheartedly to God. And that's what we need to do when suffering comes our way. And lastly, do good. Just two simple words. Do good. What does that mean? What does that mean to do good? As I was thinking about that and trying to 
figure out what's the best way to think about doing good, I read through the whole book of 1 Peter and I said, is there a verse in 1 Peter that I can connect this with that would be a commentary on, on this verse? And I think I found it in chapter 3, verse 9. I think this is what doing good is. It's do not repay evil for evil or with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. I think doing good is when we bless those around us. And I think Peter's saying, you know what? Those people that are incurring suffering in your life, do good to them. Bless them so that you, by living differently, can make a difference in their world and in the world in which you live. Do good. Paul says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure no one repays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good with each other and for everyone else. Our doing good for other people while suffering is with the aim of being a blessing to them. So doing good is not so that we get the blessing in return. Doing good is so that we in the midst of suffering, can bless those who are inflicting pain or suffering in our own lives. Do good, he says. And I think that uh, comes back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Our doing good our blessing is also to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And it fits exactly with what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your life go before your mouth, as Pastor Alvin said. And this is what this verse is saying. Do good. Bless others. Let your light shine to others so that they will see your God. They'll want to know what's different about your God. And they might even want to know your God. Hopefully that will be the end result. They will want to come to know Jesus as well. Doing good reflects how Jesus instructs us to live. Four ways Peter encourages us this morning when suffering comes on us. Don't be surprised, but rejoice that we can follow Christ's example. Don't be ashamed, but praise God that we have the privilege of bearing his name. Commit yourself to a faithful creator. Our God is always faithful. I think those first three are probably more inner things that we have to resolve in and of ourselves. But then four gets very practical. Do good. We can influence the world around us by blessing people through our good actions. Kevin Peters came up to me after the first service and he said, this is exactly how it works. We are fearfully and wonderfully made the way we, we think and the things we do. He said when we do good, it reinforces these first three. When we think this way, we do good. They're so interconnected with each other. And I think they're important for us to keep in mind 
as we go into this week. We don't know what this week is going to bring any of us. But let's not be surprised, but rejoice. Let's not be ashamed of our God this week, but praise His name that we can be called Christ ones. Let's commit ourselves this week to our faithful Creator who never changes. And folks, let's do good and bless people this week. Let's see those around us hopefully respond because our life is winsome and drawing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this amazing letter that uh, we have in our, our Bibles that teaches us so much about suffering, teaches us so much about life. And Lord, we need this instruction that Peter gives us. And Lord, I don't find it easy in my own soul to follow this. I don't find it easy to follow this instructions because it's, it's against my natural bent. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us this week by your Spirit to follow these admonitions that Peter gives. Lord, that we can live different in this world and that our difference will make a difference in the lives of of those around us. Lord, may we go into this week being armed with the same attitude that Jesus had. Lord Jesus, that we would let our life go before our words and that we would be ready to tell people about the hope that we have because of Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our desire. So thank you, Lord, for for what you're doing uh, in each one of our lives today. Thank you that you are faithful and we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.